Such a great song. Hey, um, my name's Brad, and I'm the pastor. So glad you're here today. Uh, if you're new uh, and I didn't get a chance to say hi, I would love to do that. After the service, I'll be back by the front doors. And if you're a regular and you just need to visit with me about something in your life, hey, I'm here. But whatever you need from us. One of the best ways to communicate with us, though, is through those Next Step cards. Grab one of those, fill that out. You put your prayer requests on there or whatever it is you need. Um, we want to help you. This is a place of hope, healing, peace, and purpose. Jacob and Bradley figured that out today. Pretty uh, stoked today to baptize my first Brad. That's a you know, elevated name in the Bible. It means glorious one, in case you didn't know. Uh, making that up, I have no idea. Um, but, uh, oh, real quick here. Um, just sit down for a minute. Sit down for just a second, okay? Um, I, I want us to pray for a moment for uh, Daniel Surratt. Pastor Daniel uh, is usually standing right here and leads worship and does so many other things in our community here. Uh, just unbelievable. Today, uh, he is leading worship at Tulsa Hills Church. Uh, and I pray, pray, I want us to pray that he's not auditioning. That's what I want us to pray for. Actually, uh, in January, on my prayer retreat that I do, I, I really sense the Holy Spirit very clearly saying, I'm going to send churches your way that need help. And when I send them, I need your answer to be yes. Can you all say yes? Yeah. One more time, yes. yes. Our answer as a church is always going to be yes. If there's a church in trouble, if there's anyone in trouble, if your life is in trouble, our answer to you is yes. So uh, a pastor, a uh, fellow pastor friend of mine, Jim Thornton, called and he said, hey, we're having a revival and our worship team has uh, bailed on us and we don't have anybody to lead worship. Any chance that uh, Daniel could come over and lead? Uh, and I said, Yes. Our answer is yes. We're praying for a revival at the Tulsa Hills Church. He's leading there this morning. Then tonight, tomorrow night, and Tuesday night, our band, I think most of the band, is going to be there uh, leading in that revival. How awesome is that? Yeah. That's exciting. So I, I want us to pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we pray you're going to bring revival to the Tulsa Hills Church. God, this is a, a moment that you've ordained. Our answer is yes every time. And they've called and they need us, God, and we're there. And I pray right now you would just, uh, your spirit would just fall upon uh, Daniel as he leads worship. And you would speak through him, God. And whatever you're calling us to do to help them, I pray that, that uh, Pastor Jim and his wife, Christy, that they're encouraged today. They're encouraged and, and that it brings renewed hope to their leadership there. And, God, I pray your anointing upon our band. I thank you for this band, and I thank you for the gifts and talents you put in them. I thank you their answer is yes. They can do a whole lot of other things on a Sunday, Monday, and a Tuesday. But God, their answer was yes, and, and so I pray for an anointing upon every instrument, every singer. God, that you're going to use it for your glory. Many will come into the kingdom, God, and that church will just catch fire in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. All right. If you have a Bible, let's, let's open it up. Genesis chapter... Uh, 27, or excuse me, 37, Genesis 37. If you don't have a Bible, uh, download version and look for the New Living Translation. That's what I read out of, the New Living Translation. So we're finishing up our series today called The Table. It's a relationship series, 
you know, relationships happen around tables, or, uh, happen around our kitchen tables, they happen on our campuses, around tables, restaurants, coffee shops, workplaces, and break rooms, relationships. And we've been looking at uh, some stories from the Old Testament, some men and women who um, gathered around a table and it didn't go so well. And they were contrasting that, though, with the, some stories of Jesus and, and where he gathered around tables and how he teaches us how to have healthy, vibrant, and successful relationships. So this one here in Genesis chapter 37, if you've been in church, you're familiar with the story of um, Joseph and the coat of many colors. If you don't know that story, um, let me give you some background on it. So Jacob uh, and his wife, they have 12 sons that would become the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph's one of them, and Joseph, though, is his favorite. Bad idea. Remember last week we talked about it? Bad idea. Come on, turn to somebody right now, tell them, bad idea, don't play favorites. Bad idea, don't play favorites. His mom and dad did it to him, and so now Jacob is doing it to his own sons. Joseph is his favorite. So he gives him this beautiful coat is what Scripture says. And then Joseph has these dreams. And, and if you read about the dreams, these two different dreams he has, he, is, he sees himself in power and in leadership and, and doing something great. But in the dreams, he sees that his brothers and, and his uh, mom and dad are bowing down to him in the dream. Joseph does something really, really stupid. He tells his brothers the dream. You, you got a brother or sister? How dumb would that be to tell them, hey, guess what? One day I'm going to be in charge of you bad idea. His brothers don't like it, so they come up with a plan, uh, and it's not good. So if you would stand, let's read this together in Genesis chapter 37. We're going to start in verse 18. So his brothers are out tending the sheep, and Jacob sends Joseph out and, and to check on his brothers, and it says this, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, and as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Do you, do you remember saying that to your brother or sister? I'm going to kill you dead. You remember saying that? Remember saying that to your kids on the way to church today? I'm going to kill you dead. I mean, they really meant it. Like they really were going to kill him. Said, here comes the dreamer. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and we can tell our father a wild animal's eating him. And, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. He said, no, no let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Uh, then he'll die and without laying a hand on him. And Reuben, though, he was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So not only is Reuben a great sandwich, this is a great plan, okay? Huh? Oh, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing and then they grabbed him, they threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty, there's no water in it. Then they sat down to eat. And they, and they came up with this, this, this plan. They, they saw this caravan of camels coming in the distance, and it was some Ishmaelite traders. And, and in verse 26 says, Judah said to his brothers, hey, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime instead of hurting him. Let's sell him to these, to these Ishmaelite traders. And so they came up with this plan, and and in verse 28, it says, so when the Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him. They sold him.
sold their brother off. They hated him so bad. They were so jealous. They sold him off for 20 pieces of silver. And then the traders took him to Egypt. Today, I want to talk to you about the coat at the table. The coat at the table. Let's pray. Father, you have a word for all of us. It's been an amazing series, God. Thank you so much for helping us in all of our relationships. And, and now as we finish it up, we need some help. So church, what I want you to do in this moment is just think of the person that you're having the most trouble with. A boss, a coworker, a classmate, brother, sister, mom, dad, kid, relative, I don't know. Who is it? Now what I want you to do is just simply say this, all right, God. Just help me to love them. Help me to love them the right way. God, would you mend that relationship? Would you help me to be a little more like Jesus because that's the right way to be? In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. All right, you may be seated. Some of you thought I was going to wear that coat the whole time, didn't you? Especially the regulars, like, please don't do that. Our visitors will never come back. <laughs> Anybody a comparison shopper? Compare anybody here. Let me see your hands. All right, you're my people. Uh, I am a comparison shopper. Laura hates it because um, I get um, paralysis by analysis. You know what I'm talking about? Where you're, anybody afraid? I'm going to make the wrong decision. I got to make the right decision. And then you can't make a decision. And, and it's, it's crazy the number of choices that we have now. Like you might remember back in the day, if you went to the store, it was one store, you went to that store, and like let's say you're going to buy a toothbrush, you had three choices, didn't you? Red, blue, or green. That was it. That, that was your choices. And now today, you step onto that aisle, the entire aisle is toothbrushes. It's overwhelming. And then while you're standing there, you can get on your phone, get on the World Wide Web, and, and you can actually compare it to other toothbrushes out there. Like, uh, not that I've ever done that. Okay, I have done that. I feel bad. Uh, I, I'm sick. The OCD, the C stands for comparison, I think. Laura just hates this. And, uh, but you can get on. You can jump on Amazon. You can get on Craigslist. Um, I would not buy a toothbrush on Craigslist. That would be, that'd be bad. Gently used. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not buying that. But you can, you can get into this. I just get overwhelmed by it. Laura hates it. She won't even go shopping with me most times. Like, just recently, this is true, I'm not making this up for the sake of the sermon. I mean, I make up all kinds of crap all the time, but not today. Uh, but I, I was going Bible shopping. Um, I needed a new Bible because uh, they'd come out with a newer edition of the New Living Translation because the old one had a bunch of errors in it, and they didn't like the way some of the stories ended, so they changed them and spiced them up a little bit, made them a little more exciting. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some of you are like, Really? Seriously? Oh my goodness. No, no, they did not. But I, I went out and I, I um, went Bible shopping to the local Christian bookstore and I'm not kidding you. I went in and I'm like Goldilocks. I'm like, this one's too heavy. This one here, it doesn't open quite all the way. And Laura's like, make up your mind. And I'm like, hey, do you guys have like a little box I could stand on? I could do a little mini sermonette. And so I'm in the Christian bookstore, and I'm doing this with my Bible, and, I'm, and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, this one is just right. Comparison shopping. Comparison, comparison is great for shopping, but it's lousy for relationships. But, but we can get caught up in it, can't we? 
and, and fall prey to comparison. The biggest beast of them all, social media. Like you get on social media, and you're getting on there just to check and see what your friends are doing, and, and you look on there, and like yesterday, you're like, oh, great, beautiful day. Oh, look, they're at the park with their children. Well, aren't they just the best parents ever? Isn't that great? Fantastic, you know? Oh, look, they're out to eat dinner. Must be nice to be able to afford an eating out dinner. Meanwhile, I'm stuck. I mean, you just get into this comparison trap, don't you? I mean, you start thinking about uh, when you see other people have success, you compare it to, to your success. We'll even compare spouses. It's weird, but we will. We'll look at somebody else's marriage, and we'll be like, wow, cow. God, God, look, look what their husband is like. Look what their wife is like. I mean, look, then we, we get into this comparison, or, or frankly, um, we can, men, let me step off for just a second here. Men, men, we can compare the ladies in our lives to someone on the internet. Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Too uncomfortable? And we create unrealistic expectations that our, our wife can, cannot fulfill, and, and, and then it brings tension into our marriage. Oh, 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 I'm an equal opportunity, uncomfortable making pastor here. Ladies, ladies, you can get, you get the little harlequin romance. Oh, is this a little Amish? Oh, is this so beautiful little Amish family? You're watching a little Hallmark movie, and the guy rolls into town, you know, and he just looks great, and he's got flowers, and he's buying her dinner, always paying her compliments. The next thing you know, why can't you be like that? Because it's not reality. That's why. It's not real. It's fantasy. It's fantasy on the television. It's fantasy on the internet. But we put these unrealistic expectations on them. We do it with our children. We can compare our, our kids to other kids. You see other kids and they're, man, these kids are amazing. They're so amazing. You go home and you just spank your kids just for no reason, don't you? Just line up. You are not doing They're like, what did I do? Nothing, but you are nothing like them. I mean, so we compare to, to other, other kids or, or man, or we can be man just like uh, Jacob was here. Compare them to one another. Why can't you be more like your brother or can't you be like your your sister, and, and next thing you know, somebody is the favorite, just like it happened with Jacob and Joseph and, and his brothers. And the thing about comparison is comparison rarely, rarely, if ever, leads to a, a place of contentment and satisfaction. Like, actually, the, the opposite of that is true, isn't it? The more you compare, the more discontented you become. And, and you can even become jealous of what other people have, and you can become bitter like Joseph's brothers did. You can become resentful, and, and instead of celebrating people, you sabotage them. Like you just make an offhanded comment about them. You, you just poke at them a little bit, or you, you say just kind of a, just a little underhanded thing. Just take a jab at, at them. Joseph's brothers, they, they weren't content at, at all. And, and what happens is when we become like Joseph's brothers and we become, we become sabotagers, what, what happens is we become like one-star reviewers. Like you ever looked at reviews on, on products and things on the internet? doesn't matter how great the product is, there is always a one-star review, is there not? 
always. I mean, in fact, I was um, on YouTube and I was watching the Billy Graham funeral because that'd be kind of cool. So I want to see what that was like. And as I went on to the funeral, did you know there were 246 dislikes, thumbs down on the Billy Graham funeral? Who has anything bad to say about Billy Graham? And even if you did, it's his funeral. Can you not lay off a little bit? And somebody, somebody uh, on there, when they, down in, in the comments section, just put the word yawn, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Really? And this can happen to us, but I'm just telling you, like, for us in the church and those of us who are followers of Jesus, we should not be sabotagers. We should be celebrators. We should celebrate people. We shouldn't be encouragers. We should be the ones that care about people. We should be the ones that encourage and lift up and elevate and want the best for people in their life. So here's where we're going to go for a few minutes. And if you're taking notes, and I know you all are great note takers because you are mature believers in Jesus. So grab the note, uh, chair back notes there that say message notes. I want you to write this down. It's a simple statement, and we're going to carry this through the message today. Celebrate people. Don't sabotage them. Celebrate people. Don't sabotage them. Here's what I want you to do. Whoever you came with today, may came with your parents, may come with your kids, your spouse, a friend, whatever it is, whoever you came with today, I want you to just turn to them right now and say, uh, I need you to celebrate me. I need you to celebrate me, all right? Because that's what we're going to do. We're going to work at being celebrators. So how, how do we... How, how do we celebrate people and not, and not sabotage them? How do we know the difference between the two? Well, today, what I want us to do is I want us to look at two different stories, one from the Old Testament, the other from the New Testament. And we're going to look at two different robes from two different stories. One set out to celebrate the relationship. The other set out to sabotage the relationship. So let's start with, with Joseph, the relationship that was, was sabotaged. So Joseph, we're going to back up to the beginning of the story. I want you to go back to, to verse 8. So Joseph has gotten his coat. His brothers aren't happy with him. He uh, has these dreams. He tells his brothers about the dream. And here's what happens. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Are you actually think you're going to reign over us? And they hated him all the more. Why? Say this with me. Why? Because of his dreams and the way he talked about him. See, jo Joseph's brothers, man, they became jealous. They became resentful of him for good reason because their dad, unfortunately, had pegged him as the, the favorite. So they have good reason to not like him. But I can tell you they are also jealous of him and a little resentful because he's got dreams. He's got ambition, and he's got goals, and he sees himself going somewhere. And sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes it's hard to listen to somebody share about their dreams and, and their, their success because hearing someone share about their dreams or their ambition or their success can kind of remind us of the, the lack of our own dreams, the lack of our own success, the lack of our own ambition. Like you hear somebody, they're going to start a business and they start telling you about starting their business. And, and you had a dream and an idea of maybe one day starting a business, but it just didn't happen. And somebody else is sharing about a ministry and 
They're, they're starting this ministry. Like you, you've seen people, and no, nobody here in this church has ever done this, but let's just say hypothetically, somebody comes up on the stage and they're sharing about this, this ministry that they've started and, and what God's doing in this ministry, and we can sit there in the seats and, and we can compare our, ourselves and we begin to see, man, our, I was, I was going to start a ministry. Must be nice to have a ministry. I, I was going to start one. We hear about people at work that are, that are that they you know, confide in you and tell you about they're, they're hoping for a promotion. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. Suddenly competition starts rearing its ugly head and I'm going to miss out and, and they're going to move ahead of me. And, and, and we get into this comparison trap and, and, we, get, and we just compare and we, we wonder why we are where we are and why they are where they are. See, sometimes we can, sometimes someone is in a different season than we are, and we then despise the season that we are in. In other words, they're, they're in a season of growth. They're in the spring of their life, and, and growth is happening in their life, and we're over here, and we're stuck in winter. And so we begin to despise winter when God has you in a winter season. I mean, sometimes we put ourselves in a winter season. Come on, Amen. Come on, amen? Yeah, sometimes we put ourselves in a winter season, but, but many times God has us in a winter season. Here's the thing you need to understand about winter seasons is, is the seed goes under the ground and it dies, but it dies so that new life will spring forth, okay? So if you are in a dry season, a winter season, guess what? Life is getting ready to spring forth. Come on, tell three people right now, life is getting ready to spring forth in you. Life is getting ready to spring forth in you. Life is getting ready to spring forth in you. But we can be stuck and we can despise this person that's over here in the season of growth. Man, they got the promotion. They got a, a new car, and you driving that old thing that you're driving. And they got this, or you hear about somebody, and they're moving to a, a new house, man, and they got new this, and they got new that, and we can stay over here in our season, and we can just get so frustrated because there's always somebody, there's always somebody who has more, there's always somebody that does it a little bit better. There's always somebody that's a little bit prettier. And there's always somebody a little bit smarter, is there not? Always. And what happens is we begin to compare ourselves. I mean, I, I was this past week I was at a pastor's gathering, and I don't know why they did this, but uh, they sat me at the smart table. I'm, not, I'm sorry, maybe you didn't understand where I'm supposed to be. I uh, and, and so I'm at the smart table with, with all of these um, intellectual type pastors. And, and so I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Like they have words like doctor in front of their name and reverend in front of their name. And I'm just like, man, what am I doing at this table? And one of them's, you know, like, you know, I was wondering what you guys thought about the theology of dispensationalism. And I'm like, this guy starts sharing, this guy starts sharing. And I'm just thinking to myself, dispen what a, dis a, dis a. Who we dissing? Who we dissing at this table? It's working its way around. I'm like, dispensationalism. I said, you know, I was like, man, this is what comes to mind. I started thinking, isn't that one of those late night TV ads? <laughs> Do you suffer from dispensationalism? <laughs> Call 1-800. And I'm just thinking, what am I doing at this table? I should be at the kids' table. 
It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how good things are going. Listen, we are, as a church, like we're in a season of growth right now. I don't know if you know that. We're baptizing people like crazy right now. God is doing amazing, insanely things. We've had to add rows. I mean, we are just, we are in a season of growth right now. But here I am sitting around the table and I start comparing myself to these other guys. And suddenly I don't think I'm all that much. And that's what can happen so many times is comparison can be so self-destructive. It can be so self-destructive that we develop a negative self-image about ourselves. And when you begin to develop the negative self-image about yourself, here's what happens. Then what will happen next is you will tear people down to your level so that you feel better about yourself. We tear people down so that I feel better about myself. This is, what, this is what Joseph's brothers did. And we see this in, in verse 19. They said these simple words. Here comes the dreamer. They're tearing him down because they wanted to feel better about themselves. They didn't want him to have a dream and they not have a dream. So they were going to tear him down. Anybody here got any negative friends? You know what I'm talking about? Like they can never say anything nice about anybody. By the way, if you're right now saying, I, I can't think of who that is, you're it. <laughs> we don't like being around you. <laughs> Man, you get around them, though, it doesn't matter what's happening in somebody's life, they will find something negative to say about them. And they will just tear that person down. And here's what happens to you when you hang out with negative people. Guess what? You can then, next thing you know, you find yourself starting to be negative. Has that ever happened to you? Like, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to tear them down too. And, and listen, Joseph's brothers, they're hanging together. And they're starting to be negative. And it's just like, it's just a group think thing that it starts happening. And, and, and that can happen to all of us. And next thing you know, man, you become a negative person. Although there's never happens in the church because we would never gossip about somebody in the church. We always disguise it as a prayer request. Hey, be praying for so-and-so, because I heard, mm, girl, mm, girl, there, and oh, is, oh, are you serious? Oh, I, I'm, we need to be praying, and you're never praying. You're just talking. Who's just praying? And then what else, what else did you know? Well, then they, I heard, I heard that they were just doing it, and you're just tearing them down. That's not a prayer request. That's called gossip, and it's a sin. It's a sin. It's wrong, and we need to stop. Now, how, now, here's the thing, because every person in this place, none of us would say we're gossipers. None of us. Oh, I never gossip about anybody, Pastor. I never. Good, 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 good. Here's what gossip is. Here's how you, okay, you ready? Here's what gossip is. Gossip is talking about someone to someone who can do nothing about it. Let me say that again. Gossip is talking to some, is talking about someone to someone who can do nothing about it. So listen, if somebody starts talking to you and you can do nothing about it, you need to tell them to stop. Stop talking. Now I can tell you, I know that's hard to do, but I'm telling you, you should change the conversation. You should start celebrating that person. Like find the good in them. Well, I don't know what you're saying about that, but you know, I know this about them. 
And and, and then turn it. Because guess what? That old negative person, they're not going to want to be around that. They're not going to hang out with you much longer when you're doing that. We should be celebrators, not sabotagers. We should be celebrators and not sabotagers of people. So what does it look like to celebrate people? What does that look like? We're going to go to the New Testament now, Luke chapter 15. If you want to flip over to that, you can. We're going to go back and forth now between these two stories. But there's, Jesus tells a story about the prodigal son. Now, some of you may know that story. You may be familiar with it. If you're not, let me catch up to speed on this story. The son goes to his dad. He says, I want my inheritance. I want it now. He's supposed to wait till his dad dies, but he doesn't. His dad's like, all right, dude, cool. I'll give it to you. He doesn't have to, but dad gives him his inheritance. The son goes out, blows it on wild, crazy living, loses all of his friends, finds himself in pig slop. So he's out here in the pig slop, and he's thinking to himself, man, it'd just be better. I just need to go home to my dad. I just need to go home, and maybe my dad will take me back in. And in Luke chapter 15 and verse 20, as Jesus is telling this story, it says this, so the son returned home to the father, And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, this remember, Joseph's brothers, same thing. They saw Joseph coming from a long way off, but they were tearing him down. Here comes that dreamer. We're going to kill him dead. I mean, they, they have nothing good to say about him. They're tearing him down. But listen to the father. It says he was filled with what? Say this with me. With what? Love and compassion. He was filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. He embraced him and he kissed him. Listen, this dad, this is his chance to let him have it. Oh, look at Mr. Big Shot. Ain't so big anymore, are you now? And he had every right. Could have could have tore him down. He could have cursed him. Could have cursed his son in that in that moment like, "Oh, come crawling back." Really? After what you've done, you think you're welcome here? You are an embarrassment to our family. You just, you, no, no, no. I don't even want your mama to see you. You just keep on moving down the road. He could have cursed him. Could have compared him. Could have compared him to the, to the other brother. Because if you don't know the story, there was a brother who stayed at home. And the dad in the story, he could have just simply said, hey, why can't you be like your brother? I, I, like he's a hard worker. He honors his mother and father. He could have have compared, but he didn't. It says that he was filled with compassion. And this idea of compassion and being filled with compassion, it means that it comes from deep inside of him. It's like this idea, it comes from a seat of love. That's where this kind of compassion comes from. A few years ago, I was in Africa, and I was... uh, had the honor of, of speaking in this village at one of these churches, one of the funnest things I've ever done in my life, and I got to preach. And when we went into this village, uh, all the, the preachers came up on stage, and when we went up on stage, I, I'm not kidding you, they had this throne up there like this. And all of us pastors, we, we sat down like this, and I was sitting here, and the throne was here, and I was talking to the missionary. I was like, dude, what's the throne for? He's like, oh, that's where you need to be sitting. I go, I am not, I am not sitting there. He goes, no, you're the guest. You're the speaker. You're supposed to sit there. I go, dude, I am not. I'm not sitting there. He goes, no, you will sit there. (laughs) See, because in Africa, they honor and respect their pastor. (laughs) 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 Woo! 
All right. Back to the message. So I got up and I, I sat in that, that seat. It was just the, my whole team was just laughing at me while I sat, sat in that seat. And here, here's the thing about comparison. comparison. Comparison sits on a throne and pushes everyone else down. I'm going to sabotage. I'm going to bring everyone else down, and I'm going to elevate myself. But, but compassion, compassion is from the seat of love. It's this idea that, you know what, I'm going to take a humble position, and I'm going to lift others up. Like, I'm going to celebrate people. I'm going to be an encourager of people. I'm going to honor people. I'm going to, I'm going to value people. This is what the father did in the story in Luke 15, 22. He says this, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on my son. He wants this robe to be put on him where Joseph's brothers had a, had a completely different reaction and response. Look what they did in Genesis 37, 23. So when, so, so when, when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe that he was wearing. And, and, and they, they just tossed it onto the ground. And, and the story goes on to say, I mean, this is just crazy. They, it says they sat down for a meal. They sat down for a meal, and the coat is laying right there, and the brother's in the well, and they come up with this plan to sell him off into slavery. And then they do this. They, they, they take a goat, and they kill this goat, and they take the coat, and they dip it into the blood of the goat. And they said, we'll take this to Dad, and we'll tell him that he's been killed by wild animals. And they just toss him aside. But the father, the father of the prodigal, he, he also killed a calf. But, but he, he did it for a completely different reason. Listen, he, he says in, in Luke 15, 23, he says, we must what? We must. We must. Come on, say it like you really mean it. Celebrate. Yeah, we must celebrate with a feast. Celebrate good times. All right, that's my people right there. Some of y'all are going to have to Google that, but that's a good one. That's a good one. One celebrates. One celebrates while the, while the other sabotages. One, one lifts up and, and, and places the robe on the sun. The other one rips the robe off and, and stomps on their brother. You know what's crazy is as Christians, we are supposed to be celebrators of people, are we not? We're supposed to be the biggest celebrators, but so often in life, I don't know why, but Christians, we can be the worst sabotagers of people. And you know, there's going to be so many that will that'll leave church today and they'll go to a restaurant and they'll jip the waitress or waiter on a tip. You know what? We need to celebrate our waiter and waitress. We, we, we should be the biggest tippers, 20% or more, or don't go out to eat. Don't embarrass the church. Don't embarrass Jesus. It's, come on, turn to somebody right now and say, be a big tipper. Be a big tipper. Be a big, big tipper. Listen, we, we say, you know, can I tell you this, though? The people that we really love to sabotage, that we love to talk down, belittle, are the ones that maybe believe different than us, think different than us, maybe have a different moral standard than us. Oh, we love to... We love to just stomp on, 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 on those people. When I was at this pastor's gathering this past week, I had to take an Uber, and one of my Uber drivers was an, was an atheist. And ooh, as Christians, we hear that, ooh, those, those atheists. Oh, oh. 
And we just love to talk about how stupid and dumb and ridiculous they are. And we sabotage them. We belittle them. So I'm sitting in this ride in this Uber with this guy. I got like six minutes, and, and uh, we start talking, and he knows he's taking me to this church. And, and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm a pastor. And I was like, and he, we got to talking, and somehow his name is Greg, so you can pray for Greg. And Greg tells me that, you know, he's a, an atheist. I remember how that came out or what we were talking about. But I said, hey, what, what, why are you, what made you an atheist? And he said, oh, my, um, my wife cheated on me. And, um, and then he told me about his father, and his father just said some dumb stuff to him. And he said, I just can't believe that there is a God. I just don't see him anywhere. I don't know if he's anywhere. And so um, in that moment, I, when I was getting out of the, out of the Uber, I, I just leaned over to Greg and I said, hey, listen, and I kind of put God on the spot, <laughs> like really bad, like in a big way. I put God really on the spot. I said, here's what I want you to do, Greg. I just want you to do this, like say um, today, sometime today, I just want you to say, all right, if you're there, show me. And I said, if there isn't a God, you will hear nothing. That's putting God on the spot. But I said, if there is a God, somehow, someway, I believe he's going to speak to you. See, that's, that's celebrating people. That's celebrating them and not sabotaging them. So then after the, the pastor's gathering was over, I take another Uber. This time I, this time I got a Muslim. <laughs> Oh, we Christians. Oh, those Muslims. Oh, they're just nothing but a bunch of terrorists. They're all haters. They can't wait to get a gun and blow something up. Them Muslims, they're just terrible people. That's just stupid. That's just wrong. That's just sabotaging people. They're people. They're humans. And so in this moment, I'm, I'm riding with him, and we have a long ride, like a 45-minute ride to the airport. And, and I look down at his key ring, and, and he, again, picking me up at a pastor's thing. And we begin this conversation. And, and, um, and so he's talking to me about, I don't remember how it came. I don't remember how he started talking about being a Muslim. But I looked down, and I saw his key ring, and I saw his kid. And I was like, man, you got your kid, man. That's a good-looking kid. And so tell me about your family. So he starts telling me about his family. We're just talking. We're just having a conversation. And the next thing I know, uh, his phone goes off because it's 3 o'clock. The Muslim call to prayer. I was like, oh, man, that's the Muslim call to prayer. He's like, yeah, it is. I go, so do we need to stop? Do we need to pull over, like get your mat out or something? I'm all for it, dude. This would be cool. He's like, no, I'll, I'll drop you to airport. It's okay. And, uh, and I said, well, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I'll, I'll go to the parking garage, and I'll take my mat out, and I'll, and I'll pray. And I was like, man, we Christians could learn a lot from this guy about prayer. And, and so we have this conversation, and I never really talked to him about Jesus. I didn't lead him to the Lord. I was just kind to him. I figured he needed that. He needed a Christian to not sabotage him, but to celebrate him. See, we should be celebrators and not sabotagers because the story of the prodigal is really our story. I mean, the, God is the father in the story, and, and we are the sons and daughters that have found ourselves in the, in the pig slop. And, and when, when we come home to him, the father comes running to us and puts on this robe of righteousness. 
and the calf. Jesus is the lamb that was slain for the world. He was slain for you and for I. Why? Because God is a celebrator, not a sabotager. He did not come to sabotage us. He came to celebrate us. He came to put on the robe of righteousness to tell us that we belong, that we're his sons, that we're his daughters, that he has dreams, that he has plans, he has hopes, he has a destiny for every person. So we've got to learn to be celebrators and not sabotagers. Man, that's who we've got to be in this church. As, as the people of Core Church, we have got to learn to celebrate people. We've got to learn how to lift people up, how to encourage them, how to help them, how to help them find their destiny in Christ. Help them to understand who they can be in Christ. Like that we would be, that we would give out hope, that we give out healing, peace, and purpose everywhere that we go. May we never be known as sabotagers. So this is really what this whole series is really about. It's about celebrating people. Because you can go home today and you can belittle your children and you can stomp on them and you can stomp on your parents and you can talk smack about your parents and how stupid they are and how dumb they are and wish I lived somewhere else. Talk about your boss, your coworkers. Talk about your wife. You can let your wife have it or let your husband have it or you can say no. No, they're, they're a creation. They're, they're a child of God created in his image. I, I'm going to be a celebrator. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lift them up. I'm going to lift them up, and I, I'm going to come from, from the, seat of, the seat of love. See, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the, the cross is called the mercy seat. I don't know if you knew that, but it's called the mercy seat. In other words, it's the, the seat of love. That's where we come from as children of God and as followers of Jesus. When it says take up your cross, what it means is literally this, like I would sit on the mercy seat, that I would come from a seat of love and I would lift up and I would honor and I would encourage every person in my life. So may that be said of all of us. We are not sabotagers. We are celebrators of one another.